Obviously, there's been a proliferation of additional digital enabling technologies. ABM today is capable of being much more omni-channel and done at scale. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the B2B MX podcast. I'm your host, Claudia Tarico, and I just want to wish you greetings from Scottsdale, Arizona. My team and I are currently out here for our B2B marketing exchange. Um, obviously, we've been previewing it and talking to speakers uh, for the past few weeks, um, and it's finally here. I can't believe it. It's honestly so great to be back uh, to in-person events and Honestly, Scottsdale in February, when you live in New Jersey, is a really nice treat. So, of course, since I'm out here, I've got an awesome replay for you guys for today's episode. It stars Stephen Casey of Forrester, probably one of the smartest folks in B2B that I know. Um, I'm not going to lie. He's great, and he always has some awesome insights and, and takeaways uh, for our audiences. And... Um, in his session at B2B SMX from uh, 2021, um, he talked about the blend of demand gen and ABM and that convergence, right? It's really something that many organizations are either practicing today or trying to practice, you know, getting that blend right. Because traditionally, ABM and demand marketers were on separate journeys, each with their own approach to supporting distinct business goals. However, we, you know, uh, we here at Demand Gen Report and even Forrester forecasted this rise of a more converged ecosystem as demand marketers are improving their capabilities and ABM teams are looking for ways to achieve scale. So in this session, Steve will share the Forrester view of the converged ABM slash demand landscape to ensure marketers are armed with a roadmap to support their journeys. So let's take a listen in three, two, one. Thank you for that introduction, Claudia. So um, I must admit, this is, it feels like a little bit of an out-of-body experience. It's been a while. I'm sure you've heard that yesterday, and I'll just repeat it. Um, I, what I'd like to do first, however, is sort of test the audience. You're here, obviously, because you're interested in the topic. Something about the, either the description or even the title piqued your interest, right? You're feeling like there is something to this convergence of ABM and demand. But before I jump in, I'd love to get, just by show of hands, right, how many of you have thought over, let's say, the past two years, the thoughts occurred to you before you ever saw any of this session description or title, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me to have a separate demand program and a separate ABM program. It's not as efficient as it could be. I'm thinking maybe there's something to be gained if we were to combine these, and there may be some things going on from an enabling technology standpoint that would make that possible or even more likely. So with show of hands, please raise your hand if you've had a thought like that yourself over the past two years. Wow. That's awesome. That's about half the audience, maybe even a little bit more. Um, I'll try, I'll do my best 
to remember that data point when I get to a similar question that when uh, we ran, where we asked uh, marketers around the world to get their perspective on that very topic. So what I'll be sharing with you today, um, we're convinced that this is real and it's happening. Demand and ABM are coming together. So what I want to share with you is some initial data we've gathered. We had a working thesis on this. We actually made a prediction a couple of years ago that this would happen. We've done our, our research. We've done the work. I have some data to share with you. Then I want to give you some initial uh, ideas. It's still an early trend, but there are some specific things that I, I think are worth considering uh, as you move forward on this path toward convergence that will impact how you think about the people, processes, and infrastructure that you manage. I don't think we'll have time for Q&A, not given, uh, at least when I've run through this, it takes just about 30 minutes every time, but I will be available after. Please feel free to uh, uh, stop me then. In some respects, this really is the end of an era. It's an end of an era in the automotive industry. So I'll let you know right from the start, I'm a bit of a sort of petrol head, car guy, motorcycle guy, and one of my collaborators on this research, uh, Bob Peterson of Serious Decisions, has been a leader in that group for a long time. Uh, he and I just connected on that level, and in building out the story, we thought there was a really interesting parallel with what's happened in the automotive industry. Certainly, let's say 10 or 20 years ago, when you were looking for a car, probably maybe closer to 20, but if you were looking for a vehicle, you picked one that was sort of fit for purpose, right? If you were interested in going off-road, if you were interested in carrying a large load, you chose a pickup truck, obviously. If you were more concerned with just moving people efficiently and comfortably on paved roads, then your choice was a sedan. The SUV, as a combination of those two capabilities, really upset the apple cart, right? It, they were still truck-like. They tended to be pretty big, as shown in the picture. But they had the four-wheel drive of the pickup truck. They could carry people. The inflection point was in the development of the crossover where the SUV scaled down to a point where it really started to look like a sedan with more truck-like features. And the impact on the market was really significant, to the point where Ford, one of the obviously uh, pioneers and leaders in the global automobile market, vehicle market, actually announced that they would, be st they would stop producing cars in North America last year. And they'd stop selling them here very soon. Obviously, Henry Ford might have been surprised by that, given where the business started. So even if you're not a car person, you may think, well, what does that have to do with demand in ABM? Well, we've been covering this trend for a while. We've been watching sort of the anecdotal evidence as it appeared. It's been in large degree a technology-driven trend. It's the enabling technologies that are making it possible for demand and ABM to converge. But based on at least the early signals, I stood on stage with Bob Peterson and our dear departed colleague, uh, um, Matt Senator, to make the claim that by 2025, the term ABM would go away. Now, pretty significant, pretty bold, especially given that Matt and Bob were two of the leaders in the serious decisions ABM practice. So not quite Ford saying we're not gonna make cars anymore, sedans, but of a similar impact for our business, at least. The interesting thing to note, however, is that 
it's not that ABM was being subsumed into demand, but simply we, we recognized that ABM was a better way to do marketing. It was data-driven, right? It was insights-driven. It was about personalized contextual experiences. You spent more time up front knowing who you were engaging with. But obviously, there's a scale issue, right? You can't take that same approach to every uh, uh, engagement you have with prospects. On the other hand, we sell to accounts. And the point we made then was the term ABM goes away because we're selling to accounts. And we would just acknowledge that fact, that all demand and all account-based marketing was based on a similar premise, and they were starting to look more alike than they were different. I want to come back to that point about account centricity. It's probably small on the screen, but that point we made about everything being account-centric, think about it today. It's really about opportunities. I'll come back to that at the end. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time on the history. We'll go through sort of evolution of ABM. I think it's really illustrative and it provides some meaningful insights into how we are, where we are today, and what's possible in the future. Anyone doing ABM back in the 2000s knows that it was a manual process, right? It was hand-to-hand -hand combat. And there were no really enabling technologies to, to allow that to scale. So it was largely a one-to-one, -one, maybe one-to-few motion. In sedan terms, it was a pretty basic sedan, like Volkswagen Beetle. Fast forward to the 2010s, when ABM really took off, it did so because it shifted from an offline manual process. It was enabled by digital technologies. So you could do things like use predictive analytics to uh, incorporate and absorb intent signals to understand not only which accounts should I target, but which were in market. And then knowing that, you could then spend money on account-based programmatic display advertising to reach out to them, bring them to your website, create a personalized experience for them there, share with them what you knew about them in kind of classic ABM fashion, right? The basic motion for a lot of ABM. Bring this up to today, Obviously, there's been a proliferation of additional digital enabling technologies. ABM today is capable of being much more omnichannel and done at scale, right? So uh, one simple example, rather than bringing someone to a personalized landing page, you could bring them to a content hub. You could share with them numerous pieces of content that you think they would uh, find relevant and contextual based on what you know about them. A big inflection point in terms of the rise of the enabling technologies here was really the popularization of the ABM platforms. Uh, it's a market I've covered closely. I've evaluated them. Did a wave in 2018, another one in 2020. And one of the things I'd note that I really think is a little bit of an inflection point here, it's kind of like the, that crossover, right? That SUV to crossover uh, evolution. In 2020, four of the ABM platforms we evaluated out of the 12, so a third, had native email capabilities. It was like the sedan taking on the four-wheel drive capabilities of that demand pickup truck. At the same time, a lot of these point solutions really optimized insights 
solutions, uh, the fact that you know, uh, more and more sources of behavioral data, intent data that we can incorporate, they may have been driven, ABM may have been the catalyst for the proliferation of those technologies, but they aren't solely the province of ABM. They have equal eff efficacy in a demand motion. And smart demand marketers took advantage of that. They started to build out from their traditional demand practices something that was much more insights and data-driven, to the point where that data-driven demand really looked an awful lot like ABM at scale. So that is where we are today. I said I'd share some data with you. Um, about, we, we saw that about half of you had thought about convergence. Um, it, I maybe could have uh, drilled into that a little bit to find out what's your current state and what's the future. Because that's how we framed the question for in a global survey of marketers last year. So we asked them, how do you think about that relationship between your demand and ABM programs? Are they on the one hand completely separate or are they on the other hand completely aligned? There's no difference. It's totally integrated. Or are they somewhere in between, sort of loosely uh, separate or broadly uh, integrated? The data tells a fascinating story. So if you look at the green bars, it's clear the current state is that more than two-thirds, or exactly two-thirds in this case, of the respondents told us they're on kind of the separate camp. A third said it's completely separate, and a third said it's broadly separate. We share a few people, processes, and tools, but not a lot. As you fast forward to the desired state, or as you at these respondents, as we ask them to think about where would they like to get to in the future, the story changes dramatically. Half the audience, the majority, is now on the aligned and converged side, with about a third saying we'll be broadly integrated, sharing lots of people, processes, and tools. But that number of people who said they're currently aligned, which is relatively small uh, at 9%, now jumps more than doubles, is now more than 20%, starting to approach a quarter. So pretty clear signal that a majority of B2B marketers are thinking their ABM and demand programs should be at least broadly aligned, if not completely uh, integrated. I mentioned that I cover ABM platforms, a bit of a tech geek, might be related to the car thing. But um, in those evaluations of the ABM platform market, back in 2019, we noted, and I'll note that one of my early collaborators on that project, uh, Allison Snow, is in the audience today. Um, as we were thinking about the evolution of ABM platforms, we said from the beginning it was definitional that an ABM platform was complementary to the marketing automation platform. No one was doing, using an ABM platform to do all of their marketing. They were using an ABM platform to do a small piece of their marketing, this new ABM thing that was separate and distinct from their demand gen, which was all done on the marketing automation platform. But we could see even then that that really wasn't a tenable position for the long term. It was, one, on the one hand, wholly inefficient. And we could see a day where that sort of uneasy detente, that partnership between marketing automation platforms and ABM platforms would become one of competition. That's why I mentioned the fact that in the last evaluation we did, a number of those ABM platforms are now rolling out native email capabilities. That was the signal that we've kind of crossed a bridge there. 
But for the purposes of this survey, what I wanted to understand was which platform do you think you'll centralize on? The working thesis being that it didn't make sense to have two lead and account-centric separate platforms. What we need is a single platform that can encompass both. And 27% of the audience of this survey told us they thought they could do all of their marketing in the future, demand and ABM on a map without an ABM platform. Then we asked a similar question of those folks who said they thought they could use an ABM platform to do the same without a map. This is an interesting one because we put a time dimension into this one as well. And what the data showed is we framed the question as, could you do this within a year? You know, centralize on that ABM platform, ditch the map. And 19% responded, yes, I think I can do that. But as you can see, more than 60% disagreed with that. They said, no, we don't think we can do that. When you push the time frame out to three years, the number jumps significantly. That 19% now becomes 42%. Again, pretty significant, I, I think a pretty significant indicator that people are thinking about, especially from an infrastructure standpoint, thinking about how they could bring their ABM and demand programs together. Five years ago, it just didn't make sense, or this wasn't even possible to think about converging or having a unified ABM and demand program. The technology didn't enable it, so it made sense to have sort of operational silos, right? There was a clear dividing line between the two programs that no longer makes sense. Insights-driven demand, ABM at scale, there's a significant overlap in how we go to market in both of those motions. So having separate people, processes, and infrastructure is not only inefficient, but I want to really make this clear. It's not an efficiency play. It's not a cost-saving play to go to a single platform. The benefit comes from consistent experiences for your prospects and customers. You lose that process inefficiency by combining the two motions. Therefore, you have better and more consistent insights about who you're engaging with. You can create better experiences for them. Really, one of the main drivers is improved customer experience here. So I want to spend a few minutes talking about, about each element. I will say up front, however, that I'm kind of the tech geek, and that's the area where there's been most progress. But I also want to give you at least a high-level picture of what's the future state regarding uh, uh, process and the people part of this equation as well. And in so doing, I want to cover this from three perspectives. What's the current state? Where are we moving? What's the vision of uh, the, where we need to get to in each one of these? And what's the potential benefit? In working this through with Bob, he spends a lot of time with uh, customers day in, day out, with serious decisions, Forrester clients. And his perspective was that on the orchestration side, it is much too difficult today. It's much too rigid. Uh, a process of assigning an account or a target to either a demand or an ABM motion. Where we need to get to is one that is much more flexible, capable of, for example, creating engagement through a demand program, and then based on what you've learned, quickly flip them over to a highly personalized and highly uh, a personalized ABM approach. It's too difficult to do, to do that today. We need to improve that. That's one of the benefits uh, or one of the benefits that will uh, come to us from taking and, and using this approach is frankly 
better results. We'll deliver higher ROI, the better value to our organizations. On the content side, our surveys have shown forever that content is the bane of every B2B marketer. It's content or data. They're always battling for the number one position. But um, ABM had clearly has been a catalyst for creating much more personalized content. Um, but what we've seen is there's too strong a distinction between personalized content for ABM and sort of general purpose content for demand. What we would recommend is you take more of a modular kind of componentized approach, right? So that you can mix and match and assemble content in more of a real-time fashion to meet your buyers and prospects' needs regardless of where they are, whether you're engaging with them through a demand or an ABM motion. On the measurement side, it's a similar story, right? Having separate silos of reporting is wholly inefficient. We need a single lens into customer engagement and the performance and value we're providing to our organizations. On the people side, you'll sense a theme. The silos we put people into, and the first one being you're an ABMer or you're a demand person, are wholly inefficient. We would argue, whether it's skills or competency or knowledge of the overall business, we can be more effective if people have a broader skill set, if they're not pigeonholed into specific roles, if they have a broader perspective on the overall business, they're aware of the level of depth and collaboration required across all the, the entire organization, everyone we interact with. And in so doing, we can not only create better experiences for our buyers, but actually create better employment experiences for our teams, right? We can have higher retention if people are doing more meaningful work, they're not pigeonholed into a little box, but have a bigger view of the entire organization and understand how their role contributes to that. From an org design standpoint, the jury's still out. We, frankly, just yesterday had a pretty contentious team meeting on this topic. Um, we have an early view that we're probably headed to something more like a center of excellence model, right? Something that's a little more nimble, dynamic, people aren't pigeonholed into, into roles, but have a, a general place. Uh, we assemble teams on a more dynamic basis. Um, there's a fair number of my colleagues who believe that too often centers of excellence are kind of a way station in the maturation of any, uh, an evolution of any org and they can be quickly forgotten and, and left behind. I'm not sure, jury's still out, we'll be working on that one. There's a lot of research still to be done here, very early trend. And then infrastructure, of course, near and dear to my heart. What's clear is that we are moving to a world where we have a central or core piece of infrastructure that is, yes, account-centric, is opportunity-aware, and it's the core for the majority of the insights, engagement, and orchestration that we create. Currently, everyone has engagement uh, solutions, endpoints spread across their stacks. That's inefficient. It's a pain to integrate them, to orchestrate them. I'm not arguing that we'll have a single platform that controls all channels, but I think it's pretty clear we're moving to a world where we will have a core platform that manages more than email. The ABM platform vendors are already working in that direction. What's TBD is 
what's sort of the core set, right? What do we need to own so that we can collaborate most effectively and efficiently? We can create the omni-channel experiences that our buyers desire and frankly demand of us. And which can we sort of integrate out to, right? That, that uh, are more uh, optional. Again, all of this for the purpose of improving the buyer experience. These new core platforms will not only be omni-channel, they'll control more of those engagement channels, they'll be more intelligent. They'll be able to incorporate more of those behavioral signals, all for the purpose of understanding where the buyer is so that we can create more intelligent or more contextual experiences for them. They'll be more dynamic. AI is showing up in more and more of our MarTech stacks. It's really these three things build on each other. Having the channels, gathering the data, and taking advantage of automation technologies like AI and machine learning so that we can create on an omni-channel basis contextual experiences in real time is the endpoint. That's the ultimate goal. By enabling our buyers moving from Engagement tactics to buyer enablement, or as I like to talk about it, helping the buyer buy, simply acknowledging we know who you are, what you're trying to do, and we're creating these experiences as close to real time as we can to help you take the next step in your journey is where we need to get to. So quick run, that was uh, a quick run through of sort of the history, the vision, um, I hope it's clear and, and you can understand our perspective on why we see ABM and demand converging. They're not separate, built-for-a-purpose motions today. They are converging. This has been a technology-enabled trend. They're starting to look more like each other. ABM is scaling. Demand is becoming more insights-driven. So ultimately, where we'll get to is we'll have a single vehicle, that crossover vehicle that's fit for every marketing motion, every marketing journey, regardless of road, regardless of path. I put a pin in that notion of account centricity and really laying down a marker for opportunity focus. That's the key piece, I think, that will make this happen. That's the bridge between lead centricity and account centricity. Both are kind of suboptimal for different reasons micro and macro, opportunity is the right level to focus on. That's one of the key elements. We're big, big proponents of this notion of uh, identifying buying groups, associating them with opportunities at Forrester Decisions. And we believe this is, this is really the foundation for this new combined motion, one that is opportunity aware from the start. So I just want to finish with a couple of words about you know, how you might take advantage of this trend. Get ahead of it. On the one hand, this is a great time to kind of step off the current planning cycle and have some frank conversations with your colleagues in sales about what's our go-to-market, where are the gaps, how can we support you in that, all within the framework of I'm working toward a combined and converged future, where I'm operating from a place where it doesn't matter to me if I'm supporting you through a demand motion or an ABM motion, it's just a small nuance. This isn't uh, two separate groups. It isn't two separate sets of infrastructure. It, aren't, it isn't two processes. And then finally, just as ABM was a catalyst, really, I think, for a resurgence and a, 
uh, a step function in raising the performance of B2B marketing overall, I think this is the next sort of inflection point. You have an opportunity to be a change agent, to really push your organizations forward, understanding where this is going. Now's the time to start thinking about where are we today? Where does this future take us in a five-year time frame, and how can we prepare for that? So we actually do have a few minutes for a Q&A. All right, got the thumbs up from Claudia. Happy to do that. Literally anything? Anyone? Doesn't need to be, oh, thank you, Allison. Doesn't need to be, um, ABM and demand can be any B2B marketing topic. So, oh, great. Well, what about people that would say that, you know, crossovers don't do either as well as this as sort of specialized vehicles? I'm sorry, what was, I, I, I missed that. No, it's okay. What, what, what about people that would say that crossovers or SUVs, you know, uh, don't do, don't do, you know, e either sort of specialty as well as a, that's a performance-driven car or a, yep. you know, a, a truck that you know, is purpose-built. Yep, Ag agree completely. And we think of it more as a spectrum, right? I, I, I glossed over it because it's a recommendation for um, Forrester clients. We have a specific tool, demand planning uh, tool called the demand spectrum, right? There's an acknowledgement that you will have motions within a spectrum that are closely connected. Let's do away with the terms, right? But there's still something like traditional demand, did it in insights driven demand, uh, ABM at scale, and traditional one to one, one to few ABM. And you will engage with people based or accounts and, and buying groups uh, based on your assessment of which is best for that purpose. What we're arguing is that it makes, that needs to be done holistically. We don't need to be in tribes, right? And we need to have infrastructure that can support all of those, right? We don't have, need separate tools for all of those. So I think what you'll see is, uh, as with the initial email that was delivered by the ABM platforms, right? Um, the best of breed, I think it will play out in places like best of breed versus platform, which is a classic sort of enabling technology uh, motion, you know, issue we struggle with all the time, right? Um, uh, so, uh, I guess what I'm saying is there's room for both, right? It, it, it will be a holistic picture, but you will be optimized based on the specific needs of a, of a unique set of circumstances for an individual account. Maybe over here? Mm -hmm. Next one. As far as the technology goes, what changes are you seeing that uh, are following this trend? I'm sorry, uh, changes as far as? In the technology that you see out there, what changes are, are going on, what trends are going on with changes to features or changes to interoperability? Uh, one of the biggest things is, and interoperability, is that, that was the last word? Yeah, that's a really interesting one, and I think that's one of the drivers behind this sort of expansion of engagement channels in a single platform, because there are inefficiencies that come from, you know, incorporating additional channels and adding those integrations. Um, uh, there's a difference between sort of API level integration, deep integration, are you touching the metal and can you change functionality and, and affect functionality or trigger functionality in, a, in an integrated system? How difficult is it to do that versus having it within a single solution? 
Um, so on that topic, you know, I think we will reach, I'd probably say within the 18, next 18 months to two years, we'll reach consensus around which channels should we own. Uh, and this will be somewhat sort of market driven. The vendors will have a lot to say with this, but of course, all of you voting with your budgets every year will have a lot to say as well. What are the key pieces? Um, but there's also an element around, I think, insights. I, I rushed through it. That piece about the, the new combined platform being one that's much more intelligent. I also covered data management, it's customer data platforms. You've probably all been reading about that for a while. There's a, an applicability of that uh, approach, advanced data management to essentially unify all our first party data sources that are spread across the stack to get a consistent view of our accounts, contacts, and buying groups. The effectiveness that, that comes from having that single view with a customer, I've been around a long time, and um, you know, I'm reluctant to use terms like customer 360, you know, single source of truth, those are unicorns we've been chasing forever. But we're moving closer to that where we have a more consistent and holistic view of our buyers that persists across the journey, right? The, the efficiency and effectiveness that, that comes from the Buyer, the improvements in the buyer experience. They don't have to reintroduce themselves, right? They don't have a conversation with a sales rep and then engage with you through digital channels or actually vice versa, right? They don't, uh, that is really a, a jarring experience for a customer to engage with you through a digital channel and then have a conversation with a sales rep who says, how can I help you? Who are you, right? We all know that from our personal consumer lives and that there are a lot of technologies working in that direction so that when the sales rep has that conversation, they're fully aware of what you've done, where you've been, what you, you know, and what you want to accomplish. That's a much better experience for the buyer. I think it is really the data piece that is the, the critical element of a lot of this. Sure, follow up? Absolutely. In my coverage of CDPs, and the reason I bring that up in this context is they kind of exist as a, there are two ways that advanced data unification functionality shows up. One, as a separate standalone solution, kind of a lead space lattice type model, uh, maybe, you know, Adobe RTP, you know, uh, not RTP, uh, real-time customer data platform. And then it's showing up as embedded functionality. Sixth Sense is promoting this, right? Demandbase will talk about it how they can do a lot of that same data uh, quality work, the integration and unification, but within an ABM platform. And that makes sense because it's such a data-driven motion, right, to do the targeting and insights listening and, you know, incorporation of behavioral signals. But what I often see people do in this data unification effort, to date, those solutions have been largely departmental. And I think one of the reasons why CDPs have gotten some modest traction in B2B is they're not focused on boiling the ocean and being an enterprise data unification solution. That's a big problem. But what I do see people doing is once they've solved sort of the data unification problem in the MarTech sales tech stack, they start to pull in things like ERP data. They start to pull in uh, customer service data. They start to pull in loyalty data because all of those are important signals into understanding, you know, you don't want to sell a cross-sell, upsell pitch to a client who just had a really bad customer experience, right? That information is available. We can know that. We can be better at what we do if we have a better picture and a more complete picture of where the buyer is at any particular moment. Cool. All right. 
That's the hook. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Take care. All right, folks, that is a wrap. And it's always so great to hear from Steve and honestly, the entire Forrester team. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the pod so you don't miss any new episodes. Uh, We're available on any podcast player of your choice. Of course, you could catch us on Twitter and LinkedIn to share feedback and let us know who else you want to hear from on the pod. Thanks for joining me today. We have a very, very special episode of the podcast next week. It'll be our season five finale. And we actually recorded this episode yesterday at B2BMX Live. So it's an awesome panel on all things content marketing with some fabulous ladies. And um, I was the moderator. So I'm so excited to, to share that with you guys next week. So be sure to tune in. And yeah, after that, it's a wrap on season five and then we'll be back in just a few months for season six. Uh, Again, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Enjoy the rest of your week.